You are listening to the Bethel Church Sermon Podcast, a ministry of Bethel Church in Yale, South Dakota. If you would take your Bibles and turn to the book of James with me. Book of James 19. We're out of the book of Romans this morning because we are working our way through the church uh, membership covenant, which is in your bulletin, I believe. just can't find it. Um, you notice uh, it's in there, we'll be slow to take offense, always eager to seek the reconciliation that Christ demands and work to Preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's the section we're covering this morning. I'll make reference to it again. If you would, stand with me as we read this portion of Scripture together. Short portion, I'm going to read two verses. Verses 19 and 20. Yeah. Let's read further. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that that we would receive it in, in meekness, that the word would be implanted deep in us, that we would truly accept this word today that it would abide with us, that your Spirit would would use what is proclaimed this morning to exalt Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Lord, we pray that you would work in our midst. Lord, we pray that if there are are sins, if there are things that that hinder us and hold us back, we pray that you would bring those to light this morning. We might be pushed to Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you prepare us for your table. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. I'm just going to take it and put my cards on the table uh, before the, the message here. And that is that, that one of the, the difficult things about preaching and, and pastoring a, a church from week to week, is that there is a lot of time to offend people. In one way or another. By action or inaction, uh, perceived action or perceived inaction. It could be something that was uh, said in the course of a sermon. It could be something that wasn't said in the course of a sermon. Uh, I've often wondered about this. Is Early on, not so much now, 
But early on, when the pastor prepares the, the message on Sunday morning, does he intentionally craft his sermon in such a way that he will not at least or try to offend anyone? Boy, if I, if I say that, or if I use that illustration, I mean, that might hit. So, you know, I mean, do you have to kind of navigate and, and weave between all the, the things that you know about people in your congregation? I mean, do you see where this question is difficult for a pastor? Pastor has a unique relationship with some of the, some of the people in his congregation. They've confided in him. They've talked about things that they're struggling with, mistakes that they've made that they don't want other people to know. The pastor knows things. Sometimes he knows things about people that don't even come in his office because the people that come in his office talk about other people. My point is that these things often have to do with sins and struggles in one way or another. Things that have been confided, but the scriptures deal with those same things. That's why we call this the the ministry of the word. For instance, if one is dealing with a certain sin, not going to use an example at this point, we'll later. And the passage that we're dealing with that morning speaks about that certain sin, and we spend the entire message dealing with that, it's going to hit very close to home to you, but maybe not somebody else. You might actually get offended. Thinking to yourself, the pastor knows better than to single me out. Why did he talk about this issue and not that issue that so-and-so is dealing with? Because we all know so-and-so needs to hear something else. Whatever the case may be, I think you get the point. We try to get a guard against people feeling picked on. I mean, really don't have a, a hobby horse that I, that I know of. <laughs> I don't think I do. We take steps. We preach through uh, texts. We go through the book of Romans. We take uh, certain portions or topics that, that come up. And if something hits close to home, it's more than likely it's because that was just the next text in the arsenal. We go through books. In case of the last Sunday of the month, today, we've been working our way through the church membership covenant. Just taking it as it goes. So if you want to know what we'll be preaching on next month or next time we're in this series, it would be very easy for you to figure that out. A long time before they get there. Now, I bring all of this up at the onset for a couple of reasons. The first is that the item in the membership covenant today speaks about being slow to take offense. Read that in your bulletin. We will be slow to take offense, always eager to seek reconciliation that Christ commands, and will work to preserve the unity and the spirit of the bond of peace. That statement goes far more than we're going to get to in our short sermon this morning. But we're going to deal with the the first part of it primarily. Of course, the first part really has bearing on the rest of the statement, but I'll let you make those implications. Do you think there are some people who are more apt to get offended than other people? 
I mean, what makes us get offended by other people? Not just me. Not just preaching on something. I don't know if you've had an experience like this or not, but sometimes I get offended a little bit by someone or something. Somebody does something or says something and it, it offends me. And, and just a short time later, I'm like, why in the world am I so offended by this? This is so dumb. Why would I let something like that bother? I think very often we have experiences like that. We come to our senses. The scriptures seem to indicate that there are some people that are quick to take offense and get angry at things, and there are those who do not, and we are called to be the ones who do not. So just look at that passage in James 1 for a moment. Verse 19. The first thing we should notice here is that the context of this passage is about receiving the word. Verse 19 can't be divorced from the words, uh, from the text around it. It's about receiving the word, more than just hearing it, right? If you go down to verse uh, 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Receive the word in verse 21. That it might be implanted. What is said in 19 through 21 is contrasted with being doers of the word and not hearers only. The idea is to receive it, to accept it. There are times in which the the word is is preached or read, and in that moment or, or later when it's time to put into practice what we've been talking about, we show ourselves as who we really are and people who have not listen to it, and actually have disregarded the word because it doesn't take root in our lives and we don't practice what we've heard. We're not being doers. So put it this way. Do we listen and accept the word? Not as just good teaching or something that we should do and put it into practice as an optional thing. That's the way many of us approach the word. But I don't think that's really accepting it. Do we accept it or do we disregard it when the time comes to walk in obedience to the Word and the power of the Spirit? But there are times in which we, we actually walk in the flesh because we didn't accept it in the first place. I mean, this is actually a pretty offensive thing for me to say to you, isn't it? I mean, when you think about it, that it is possible that you or I, for that matter, would sit through a service, sit through a, a sermon, that we would hear, in some respect, God's word being proclaimed to us, and then leave here not accepting that word, and therefore go and walk in the flesh and not put what we heard into practice. Does that happen? Absolutely, it happens all the time. If it didn't happen, James would have not written about it here. And if he only needed to share it then, but we didn't need to hear it today, that portion wouldn't have made it into Scripture. It's written for our benefit. 
Simple as that. So in, in James 1.19, we have here, which is a triple duty when it comes to accepting the Word of God. It's a pretty simple outline of the text. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Just start with being quick to listen. To take this statement and, and place it back in the first century context would mean something far different than it does today. Hearing then was imperative. If one didn't hear or listen well, they would run the risk of spiritual impoverishment. Most everything was done orally. The teaching and preaching. You, you might be think, well, that's really the same as in today. Not exactly. E- even though somebody teaches in a, in a Sunday school class, you listen to the sermon, you do have the Bible open in front of you, whether it's in a book or a device. You have options that the first century here didn't have. If you didn't hear it, and you were off thinking about somebody, something else, you could go back. You can go back and catch the podcast. They can't. They missed it. If they had a question about theology, they couldn't Google it. If one didn't listen well, it was to their detriment. Now, as important as this was in the first century in which James was writing, Pastor James really puts his finger on something here that is of great need and importance for us today. Just in my illustration a minute ago, one could make the case that we aren't, or perhaps we're not the best listeners ever now. We've got so many things to distract us. Why listen now? I can just go back and catch the podcast. Doesn't that affect the way we listen now? We're distracted. We're busy people. Kent Hughes asked this question. He says, why are we such poor listeners? Listen to his answer. It's good. His answer was busyness. He says that our business substitutes frenzy for conversation It wrecks our relationships. It it fills our calendars and empties our lives. The ability to listen to anything that turns us away from our little gods. Frodi Bauckham would say, if you can't say amen, you should say ouch. In other words, poor listening leads to idolatry. We don't think about that, do we? In the middle of a sermon, when we're checking our, our sports scores, or when we're distracted by something else, when our minds are, are wondering, when we're at home and we're reading our Bible, and we're distracted, when we're doing our devotion, we're just doing it to, to get through it. We don't, we don't think about this. Poor listening actually leads to idolatry. Think about this for a moment. James isn't just telling us that we ought to listen well or to be quick to listen when you are hearing. 
As if you can only apply this text when you're in church. Quick to listen is listen every chance you get. Be quick to listen. Eager listening. Not just when you happen to be in a place where listen, you should listen. Be eager to listen. Listen every chance you get. Perhaps we should say it this way. Why don't we listen more? Or why don't we desire to listen more to the things that really matter? Let me illustrate. I know that there are those who miss church on Sunday morning for various things. This isn't my soapbox. I understand that that people are going to miss church, that they're going to have a, a reason to miss church. And that's up to you and your conscience. But, could it be that we do not accept the Word and become doers of the Word because we haven't heard it to begin with? Could it be that we opt to Listen to football and baseball games and dance recitals and hunting and fishing trips and basketball and volleyball tournaments and family trips to take roller coaster trips or we think we need our beauty rest on Sunday morning because it's the only day to listen to our alarm clock, to not listen to our alarm clock. And in doing so, we are missing the public proclamation of the word. We are people that easily and frequently let our busyness dictate who and when we're going to listen. And for some, the priority is something else. Not against baseball, football, whatever else. But when it comes into direct confrontation with the proclamation of the Word of God on the Lord's Day, we need to call this what it is, and we choose to listen to those things over the Word of God. We're not only neglecting to hear God's word proclaimed, but we're actually replacing that and opting to hear something else. That sends quite a message, doesn't it? Some might say, well, we can hear the word of God preached anytime. It happens every Sunday. But this game or this recital or whatever it is happens only once a year. The God of the universe speaking gospel truth into your life, in your family life, in the public ministry of the word, as he ordained, or a few moments of happiness on a roller coaster. Or watching people hit a ball around. Again, nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with games and dance recitals. I love roller coasters, ask Dave Berg. But who we choose to listen to says a lot about us. James here is saying, be slow to listen. Don't be slow. Be eager. Think through your vacations. Think through your trips. Think about the implications that this has for you and your family for whatever reason, and ask, am I being quick to listen? And who am I being quick to listen to? Second, 
First is really important. We need to spend a little more time on that, so I'm not going to spend much on the rest, but be slow to speak. So doesn't it just follow that the one that is quick to listen will be the one that is slow to speak? Makes sense, doesn't it? Even on the simplest and most practical level. There's a lot of wisdom here, isn't there? We get into trouble when we speak hastily. When we speak before we've thought through things. And really, I think what James is getting at here is that people speak without having listened first. And specifically, what we're talking about is accepting the Word of God. Really listening to the Word of God. Not just listening in in general. We're talking about those with theological ideas and opinions that have not been grounded and bathed in the Word of God. Those who are sure that they're right. They're on the right course. And they want to say what they they need to say. But they haven't truly accepted the Word of God. Fact is, being hasty in speech is a sign of rebellion. Not only because the Scriptures are clear in this matter, we are to guard our tongues, but when we speak having not listened to the Word of God, but make proclamations about how we are to live anyway, that is saying, in essence, that we know the best course of action. And we put ourselves up to a place that we're not. It's an act of rebellion. I'm not going to listen or accept the Word of God, but just speak my heart. In essence, that is rebellion. Some people will say something like this, well, my conscience was just going off and I needed to unload, I needed to speak. My conscience was really prompting me. I needed to say that. After all, if our conscience is saying we should do something, we should obey our conscience, right? Conscience is a warning light, not a guide. We obey the Word of God. In fact, our conscience is held captive to the Word of God. That is what we listen to. When Martin Luther was asked at the Diet of Worms if, if he would recant all that he had written in his books, I'm sure he, he wanted to speak hastily. His conscience was screaming that he should talk, but he took time. He wanted to be sure that he, what he had written lined up with the Word of God, and he came back with the famous quote about his conscience being held captive to the Word of God, and therefore he could not violate his conscience. Our consciences are the same. They should be held captive to the Word of God. And for that to happen, we must be people who are eager to hear the Word of God and then slow to speak, having listened to what the Word of God says on a matter. Thirdly, James says here that we are to be people who are slow to become angry. Some versions add the word offense in there, slow to take offense and become angry. That isn't the literal rendering here, but it is accurate. Just think about the progression of those who do not accept the Word of God, those who do not listen. They, they might sit in a, a service. They might listen to the words being preached. They might read books and, and articles that deal with certain things, and they see what they want to see. They, they don't really listen. There's some other motivation. They could be distracted or whatever it is. They speak without actually have really heard. I remember the debates in, in uh, the college dorm that I was in. Debates about the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. They were, they were never ending. 
they would usually end with somebody getting mad and going home and two people not talking to one another. My point is, these young people in the dorm were speaking hastily. They weren't listening. But they were speaking in, in arrogance, and it, the arrogance just filled the hallways. I remember getting so fed up that I remember just getting some books, going back to my dorm room, and just reading on these things. So the next time I was in a conversation, it would be a, a fruitful and edifying conversation, and not in an argument that ended up with two people not talking to one another for a season. Can you imagine that? People not talking to one another in college over a doctrinal issue? <clears throat> but this is the progression. When people are quick to speak, having not listened to the Word of God and not accepting the Word of God, it usually ends in anger. And I've said a number of little bit controversial things this morning. Why should it end, right? Think about this for a moment. If, if you are angry with another person or have been at some point in your life, I would venture to say that most of us fall into that category in, in some respect or another. So I'm not just picking on certain people. I think all of us are there. But, but trace your anger back and find instances where you, mostly you and the other, but you were quick to speak. You need to, and, and ask yourself, did I really listen? Take that situation and ask, would have it been different if I wouldn't have been so quick to talk, but if I would have been quick to, to listen and go back to the Scriptures and really hearing the Word of God on the matter and just listen to what God said here, how would God want me to deal with this situation in a way that would glorify Him? And we just listen to what God had to say in His Word and He asked the Spirit of God to, to guide us and show us these things. I would suggest that it's not easy to handle situations this way. And that sometimes the situation gets the most of us. But we need to see that being too quick to speak for what it is, it too is, it is rebellion. It's saying that we know what we need to say. We know what's what. We don't need to listen to God's Word. That we have it figured out. And that because we have it figured out, we have a right to our anger. My friend, listening and really accepting God's word is so important because when we don't, it leads to anger. And look at verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Get this. My friend, you do not have a right to your anger against your brother or sister. You know how I know that? Because James says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For that anger that you have does not produce the righteousness of God. I don't know if you've heard the phrase righteous anger. I've heard it a lot. Most of the time, people are justifying themselves and being too quick to speak. 
not going back and listening to the word of God on a matter, not going back and really accepting it, getting angry at someone or something and then pointing out the finger at them and saying, it isn't my fault. Getting angry at them and saying, this looks, makes me look more righteous. I mean, we see this kind of thing on social media all the time. Between Christians, in, in our world, we have made things very easy to say things or put ourselves in situations where speaking too quickly is easy. My dad used to give me some advice on the phone when I was a youngster and talking to girls. He would tell me on the phone, it's way easier to say things to them that you wouldn't say in person. And that was on the phone. Where you actually had to voice those words. Now with texting and the texting apps that are available, things have radically changed. It's easy to send things in pictures. You would never do in person. No one has ever obtained the righteousness of God by being angry. I see some high-profile Christian leaders, and they're angry all the time. I want to tell them, I, I get it, these things are big issues. So-and-so shouldn't have done that. They were wrong, but really, this isn't a reason to be angry at them. No one obtained righteousness by being angry. Verse 12, 20. So back to our statement. Be slow to take offense is really being quick to listen to the Word of God, slow to speak, not getting angry and, and recognizing that, that our righteousness does not and cannot come through our anger, but it comes only through Christ's death on our behalf. You see, I have no doubt that this room is full of people, myself included, that have not listened as they should have listened. That you're sitting in a message this morning, listening to a message on listening, so that you don't get anger, angry and speak too soon. But we're going to fail, aren't we? I prepared a sermon on how we shouldn't be too quick to speak. Sooner or later, I'm going to mess that up. And we're going to fall into that trap again. And we're going to be rebellious and we're going to speak out of turn as if we know what is what. We're going to get angry at our brothers and sisters. Maybe for a short time. But righteousness does not come through our self-serving anger and rebellion against God. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ who bled and died and bore the weight of those sins and paid our penalty that we were to pay. And when we trust and believe in Jesus as our only hope for a right standing before God, the forgiveness of our sins, then His righteousness becomes ours. 
That's the only way. My friend, we as a church community are slow to take offense. May we be that way. May we be eager to reconcile. May we long for unity because of what Christ has done for us. We are unified in Him. Therefore, we ought to be unified with one another. We are reconciled with Him. And therefore, long to be reconciled with one another. My friends, this text pushes us back to what Christ has done for us. It pushes us back to the Gospel. Because if, if, if we take these three items as tests and say, let's see how we're doing. Am I really quick to hear? Slow to speak, slow to anger? We fall short. But Jesus Christ, He excelled in every way here so that we might be free. Sing the song about freedoms. Freedom from the penalty of our sin because of what Christ has done for us. As we come to the Lord's table, this morning. Just take and think of this text. Just think of those three items and ask, are we quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger? Where have we violated these things? Where are we living in, in sin right now? And use this as, a, as an opportunity to get right to come to the table, to, to rest in what Christ has done for us. I mean, there's no doubt that maybe some of us need to go to somebody and ask for forgiveness. Maybe we're going to wait till after the service and wait till this next week and say, you know, I've been so quick to speak about you. I've been living in rebellion. When I go back to the Word of God, and I really listen to what he has says in this matter. I want you to know I'm sorry. Because I need to forgive you the way I've been forgiven. I need to not hold your sin against you like God doesn't hold my sin against me. Maybe we need to do that. But right now, we need to rest in what Christ has done for us that we're not accountable for our sins. This table is for believers. If you're not a, not a believer this morning and you're here with us, this doesn't make any sense. As believers, we trust and we rest in what Christ has done for us. That He died for us. His body was, was broken. His blood was spilled. So that we would not bear the weight and the penalty for our own sin. He covered it for us. I'm going to pray. 
And then I'm going to ask the, the deacons to come forward. And we're going to, we're going to take this time of communion together. Thank you for listening to this sermon resource from BethelMBChurch.org. If you'd like to learn more about Bethel Church or find other resources, please visit our website at BethelMBChurch.org. Bethel Church exists to bring glory to God by promoting the joyful worship of Jesus Christ both here and abroad.